Thanks for joining us today. My name's Amber Black and I'm the Kids Ministry Director here at New Life. If you're a new guest joining us for maybe the first or second time, we understand what it's like to be somewhere new. So we want to invite you to participate as much or as little as you'd like during our worship time. And if you'd like to get connected with us further, just text the word welcome to the number on the screen. This will send a digital connect card link to your phone and once you fill it out, we'll send you an email with a lunch invitation. This lunch is on us and designed just for people new to our church who want to learn more about us. If you'd like to speak to someone before you leave today, you can stop by our welcome booth in the lobby on your way out. Or if you're watching online, just reach out to your online host. It's almost time for our service to start, so thanks again for coming and have a great day of worship.
us as we enjoy our time of worship together.
remind yourself of who you are in Christ. You are a child of God. You are his. You belong to him, and he loves you. So let's worship him this morning.
You guys can go ahead and have a seat. My name is Jonathan. I'm the Connections Pastor here. And we're so glad that you're joining us today on this fall weekend-ish. Um, in fact, our lead pastor wanted to be sure that, that uh, he gave you a, a little fall message from him. Uh, he's got a new welcome mat outside his office door. It says, pumpkin is the spice of life. Ain't that the truth? So go ahead and uh, shower him with as much pumpkin spice lattes as you can early and often. Uh, if you're a new guest with us today, uh, we have a lot of fun and we have a lot of joy. It's okay to laugh. Uh, we have enough stuff to cry about. Um, so laughter is good for the soul, and we thank God that we can have that joy, and we would love to be able to connect with you, share with you while we have that joy, while we can actually have happiness uh, in our life. And the easiest way to do that is just to text the word welcome to the number you're going to see on your screen. If you're watching online, you can click that link. Um, it'll just send you a little digital connect card link. You can fill that out. Uh, help uh, us answer any questions that you, you may have, pray for you in any way uh, that, we, that we need to. to. Um, this is also a, a time in our service uh, where we get to give back, we get to get, give up our tithes and our offerings uh, back to the Lord uh, to be reminded through that act of worship that it, it all belongs to Him, that He's in control of, all, in control of it all, uh, our finances, our life, all those things. And we get to, uh, we're honored and we get to be a part of what it is he's doing in and through us in our church family. There's been so many cool things that have been happening um, this year through our church family. Uh, we, we know uh, today, too, is also a time of remembrance for our nation. It's, it's 911. Uh, most of us uh, remember where we were uh, that day uh, during that national tragedy. Um, and so it's important to come and be reminded whether it's a national tragedy that we're remembering or maybe a personal tragedy that you're going through right now in your own life. Um, it, it's, it's good to come and have a Sabbath day of rest uh, to be reminded of, of whatever tragedy that we're experiencing, whether we experience it as a nation or just something that you're going through individually, that we can be reminded of that fact that God is still in control um, and that he can bring us the rest in our souls that we need, no matter what's going on. And so today, I just want to pray over us a prayer, a, a Sabbath rest prayer for us as we continue our worship service today. So would you just stand with me as I pray over us this Sabbath blessing uh, today as we go to the Lord in prayer. So let's pray. Father, we pray that... Uh, this day, right here, right now, would bring Sabbath rest to our hearts, to our homes. We pray that your image would be restored in us, that our imagination in you, Father, would be restored. God, that the gravity of material things would be lightened in our life and the relativity of time would slow down this morning. God, we pray that... Uh, 
we would know the grace to embrace our own finite smallness and rest in the arms of your infinite greatness. Father, may your word feed us this morning. May your spirit lead us into the week and into the life to come. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Consume me from the inside. 
Uh, maybe you've never thought about this. Where did Jesus go after the resurrection, and what is he doing now? You ever thought about that? Like, what? where did Jesus go after the resurrection? Last week, we talked about where he went between the cross and the empty tomb. So we talked about the descent into hell or Hades. So if you missed that, you can catch that uh, on, the, on the website. But where did he go after the resurrection, and what is Jesus doing now? You ever thought about that, right? Is he just, like, chilling in heaven, laying on a couch, watching some Netflix, waiting on, you know, the Father to say, hey, it's time. It's time for you to go back. What's he, what is he doing in heaven? Now, in church, again, we said, said this last week, we're really good at celebrating the death of Jesus, right? The cross. We have crosses. Churches have crosses all over the place. We're really good at celebrating the empty tomb, uh, Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. We love celebrating those two events, and rightly so, we ought to. But here's the fascinating thing. The early church, if you go back and study church history, they celebrated a third event from the life of Jesus right along with his death and resurrection. Do you know what that third event is? His ascension. His ascension, all right? So, so here's our line in the Apostles' Creed uh, for today. If you happen to be uh, new to New Life, this is your first or second time. We're in a message series. We're just kind of going through the Apostles' Creed line by line. It's one of the oldest creeds in church history, just kind of taking apart and digesting the scriptures that gave birth uh, to the Apostles' Creed. And so, like I said in the beginning, we're not preaching the Apostles' Creed. We're preaching the biblical passages that gave birth birth to the Apostles' Creed. That's what we'll do uh, again together uh, this morning. So here, here's our line uh, this morning in the Creed on the screens for you. He, Jesus, ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, the last couple weeks, we've looked at the unspeakable suffering of Jesus. We've looked at his death. We looked last week at his descent into hell or Hades. So if you're wondering what that's all about, uh, maybe don't skip church, all right? And so we talked about that last week. You can, uh, I'm, that was uncalled for, I'm sorry. You can, you can pick that up. Some of y'all were sick. You can pick that up uh, on the website if you want to uh, go further into what, what this whole thing of Jesus going to hell uh, means. We talked about it last week uh, for 40 minutes. So, uh, and then we also looked at his, his resurrection. So his life, his death, his descent, his uh, resurrection. And as Christians, in the modern-day Western church, that's normally where we stop, right? We're like, boom, end of story. The tomb is empty, the, the grave is empty, Jesus conquered death, end of story, let's go home, let's eat some ham and watch some NFL football, right? That's, that's all the important stuff. That's kind of how we think. But is that really all the important stuff? Uh, the ascension of Jesus has been called by some scholars, I think this is good, the forgotten act of Christ. The forgotten, the forgotten act of Christ. I think it's one of the most fascinating lines in the entire creed, uh, and yet I would argue one of the most, if not the most neglected teachings in the modern-day American church. So where did Jesus go after the resurrection? What is he doing now? Like right now, in this moment, as you and I live and breathe, you're sitting there, I'm talking, what is Jesus up to right now? And how you answer that question will have a massive effect and impact on how you choose to live your life right now. Now, I just, just by, by show of hands, be honest. I don't think the 915 was very honest. I think you guys are probably more honest. By, by show of hands, we're in church, the Lord is watching. How many of you would just have to confess you've never really given a whole lot of thought to the ascension? Just raise your hand if you just have to confess. Man, I've never really given a whole, my hand's up. I was convicted this week. Like, man, I think about the death of Jesus all the time. I think about the empty tomb all the time. I don't think I've ever just sat down and meditated on the ascension of Jesus. Like, Jesus, thank you that you ascended to heaven. 
and that you are seated, ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. Most of us in the American church, the modern church, just give it very little thought. So, so was the ascension just like the most convenient way for Jesus to get back to heaven? Like the uh, divine you know, Uber ride or something? It was just the fastest way for him to get back home? Or was Jesus just kind of playing like a, a game of cat and mouse with the disciples? Like, hey, now you see me, now you don't, now I'm in the clouds, now I'm in heaven, now I'm gone. What, what was going on? Was there something deeper going on with the ascension? And why is it that the early church had such a, a prominent focus on this doctrine and we don't seem to ever talk about it as modern-day Christians? Why is that? And I think it's noteworthy that all of the ancient creeds uh, carve out space, a lot of space actually, uh, for this doctrine of the ascension and the coronation of Jesus. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, which we're looking at, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, they all carve out as much space for the ascension of Jesus as they do the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So my question as I was just studying this week is, man, what, what did they get that we're missing? And I think it's always a red flag for us as modern-day Christians when we go back into church history and we find something that the early Christians really focused on that we don't focus on, that should be kind of a little alarm for us. Like these were like the men and women who were closest to the life of Jesus. These were the men and women who actually heard the apostles teach and preach. So if they're focusing in on something that we don't seem to focus in on, that should be a red flag alerting us that perhaps we're missing something very uh, crucial, important in our faith journey with Jesus that we're missing, they seem to get. So what, what, what is it that, uh, that, that, that we're missing that they seem to understand in the early church? And that's what we're going to be tackling together uh, this morning. So let's pray. Let's ask God to prepare our hearts and our minds as we get ready to open his word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you, and uh, my confession, God, is that your, your word is, is life for us. Many of us come in here uh, hungry this morning. It's been a hard week for a lot of people in the room. It's been a hard week for a lot of people watching uh, online, and so we come in here, and we're hungry, we're, we're thirsty to hear something from, from you, God, and so we pray that through the power of your word, by your spirit, you would speak something into our hearts and our minds that would uh, comfort us, that would make us more like your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we would invite you into this place right now. We ask that you would be present with us. I pray that you would uh, open our spiritual eyes to see things maybe that we hadn't seen before that you would open our spiritual hearts to receive things that maybe we haven't received before, and that as a result of our time together in worship and word, uh, that we would walk out of here conformed more into the image of your son, Jesus. And we ask and we pray all these things in his name. Amen. All right, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it or turn your device on and head for Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. That's where we're going to start. We are going to be moving uh, around a bit uh, today to different uh, passages. Uh, this will be uh, on the screens for you if you don't uh, have a copy of God's Word with you. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 50. So this is the last few verses of, of Luke's Gospel. All right, this is what he writes. And he, Jesus, led them, the disciples, out as far as Bethany. So it's like 20, 30 miles east of Jerusalem. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up. There's the idea of the ascension, carried up into heaven. Verse 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now just a side note, we don't have time to, to really get into it, but I think that is the appropriate response for us when we hear the teaching of the ascension. Verse 52. 
they worshiped him and they lived with a great sense of joy and so if i do my job correctly this morning you'll walk out of here with a heart full of worship and a sense of joy in your heart that's that's the hope that's what we're aiming for together this morning as we study this incredible uh, narrative in the bible of the ascension of christ now luke the the guy that just wrote what we read if you know your history your biblical history he was a he was a greek doctor um, wasn't a believer kind of studied the evidences of the life of jesus interviewed a bunch of eyewitnesses became a, a ferocious follower of jesus wrote two uh two books in the new testament he wrote obviously uh, the, the the gospel of luke but he also wrote a sequel does anybody know the second book that luke wrote any bible scholars acts that's right right so he, he wrote the gospel of luke he wrote the sequel the book of acts now the gospel of luke uh, narrates the life of jesus or it chronicles the life of jesus the book of acts chronicles anybody know yeah the, the life of the early church right that's that's exactly right so so the first book chronicles the life of jesus the second book the sequel chronicles the life of the early church the the bride of jesus and so those two things fit in uh, together re really uh, in a helpful way so a lot of helpful overlap between the end of Go the gospel of luke and the beginning of acts so we're going to switch now to a second book Acts chapter 1, you can look, look that up in your Bible, your app, or you can look up on the screen. And this is what Luke writes, starting in verse 1 of chapter 1. He says, in the first book, now what's the first book? The Gospel of Luke, right? That's the one he already wrote. Now this is the second book. In the first book, O Theophilus, now who's this, who's this cat in the middle of this thing? Scholars tell us that Theophilus was likely a, uh, uh, like a wealthy man, perhaps a, a wealthy businessman, who was uh, likely a seeker. So he was curious about this Jesus guy, curious about what he taught, and so he likely commissioned Luke to do some exploration and research about the life and teachings of Jesus. And this is why Luke is, is writing to Theophilus, right? In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. There's the doctrine of the ascension again. Remember, he finished his first book with the ascension. He's starting his second book with the ascension. That's important. We should highlight that. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so after the resurrection, Jesus was alive on planet Earth with his disciples for a month and a half. Like how incredible would that have been to sit down and share a meal with the resurrected Jesus? And they got to do that for 40 days. It would have been absolutely incredible. Verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, that's the second time we've seen Holy Spirit right here in this text. We're going to see the Holy Spirit emerge a third time. Really important connection between the ascension of Jesus and the sending of the Holy Spirit. So, so just kind of make a mental note of that because we're going to come back to that in a minute. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Right? So you remember Jews in the first century, they were expecting the Messiah to come, kind of build up a military presence and eventually overthrow the Roman Empire that was oppressing them. So they're thinking, all right, Jesus, he's now resurrected. We're about, to, we're about to take up arms. We're about to charge Rome. We're about to take this thing over. We're about to rule and reign. It's going to be awesome. That's, so they're asking him, hey, man, is it time? Let's go. We're ready. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, okay, 
underline that. That's the third time Luke has now mentioned the Holy Spirit in connection with the ascension of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we had said these things, as they were looking on, he, Jesus, was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking in the heavens? This Jesus, who was taken up from you in heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, you probably can imagine, just place yourself in the shoes of the first century disciples, this probably would have been a very disappointing moment for them, right? And kind of think about it, like Jesus was crucified, he dies, so this guy that they had gone all in on, they had sacrificed everything to go all in with Jesus, all of a sudden now he's, he's executed, brutally executed on a Roman cross, he's buried in a borrowed tomb, and they think it's over. Like, man, man, we gambled on this guy, and we lost. We were way wrong. And then three days later, he's alive again, and he hangs out with them for 40 days, and he's talking with them and teaching and eating with them, and it would have been absolutely incredible. So now they're on cloud nine, and they got to be thinking, man, we're about to take over. We're going to establish the earthly kingdom. We're going to crush the Roman Empire. We're going to restore Israel. Man, this is going to be awesome. We're here for all of it. Man, we're going to have our own thrones up there with Jesus probably. It's going to be incredible. And then one day, one day Jesus kind of rolls in. He's like, boys, it's been good, but I think I'm out. And they got to be like, wait, what? Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, like Rome, Rome is still in power? Like, our, our people are still suffering? Like, Jesus, you can't leave yet. This cannot be the end of the story. And Jesus is just like, hey, listen, guys, you, you need to stay here. Stay in Jerusalem. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. Trust me. Then he's like, whoosh, it's gone in the clouds. Disciples got to be thinking, what? What on earth just happened? And they had to be wondering what some of us have wondered at different points and times in our lives. Man, did Jesus really have to go to heaven? Have you ever wondered that? Like, he was in his eternal resurrected body. Why did he have to go to heaven? Like, why, why couldn't he just stay here on earth to help us, his followers, until he ushered in the new heavens and the, the new earth? Have you ever had a time, maybe you're walking through a difficult time in your life, where you just had this thought, like, man, if I, if I could just have a conversation with Jesus face to face, like, just give me 15 minutes with Jesus. Like, I know all the spiritual stuff. Like, I can pray, and like, I'm talking to Jesus. But, like, man, if I could just sit across a table from him for 15 minutes, man, just hear his voice. Feel his presence. Feel his hand on my, my shoulder. Like, that would change absolutely everything for me. And yet, what we see Jesus saying to his disciples in John 16 is, listen, guys, it's going to be better for you if I go. It's going to be better for you, actually, if I, if I leave, because if I leave, I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. It's going to be incredible. You're going to have to trust me on this, guys. And so what I want to do for the remaining of our time, remainder of our time is just give you three things, three things that the ascension and the coronation, that's the seating of Jesus at the right hand of the Father, the ascension and the coronation of Jesus means. Number, number one, this is on the screens for you. Um, Jesus is now, currently, even in this very moment, he is reigning from heaven. Now, you may be thinking, like, okay, cool, that sounds really churchy, uh, really Christian-y, but, like, well, how does that impact my life, man? I work a crappy job, I hate my school, I don't like my teacher this year, whatever it is. How, how does this actually help me in real life? 
And, and the reason that this is actually important is because the ascension of Jesus is not a PS, right, to tack on to the end of the cross and the empty tomb. It's not, it's not an afterthought. It's not an add-on. This is a core truth that teaches us that Jesus is not only alive today, he is also reigning from heaven today. He is in charge one commentary writer that I, that I read this week put it this way. I thought this was super helpful. He said this, We have to remember that when the writers of the New Testament were using the term gospel, they were talking about more than the forgiveness of sins. They were talking about the coronation of a king. A king who now reigns from heaven. I love the way uh, the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians 2. This is on the screen. where Paul writes this, Therefore God has highly exalted him. This is the idea of the ascension of Jesus, right? The coronation, seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him or given him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we said this last week. Jesus is king over every realm. He's the king in heaven. He's the king on planet earth. He's the king under the earth in the place of the dead, Hades. We looked at that last week. He is the king of every realm. Now, how do we know that? What's the proof? His ascension is proof of that, that he ascended to heaven, that he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who has now given him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is king. Y'all listen, our king is not just risen. He's also reigning from heaven right now. Now, we could spend uh, at least an hour talking about the practical implications of, of Jesus reigning from heaven. Uh, we don't have time to do that. I'm just going to give you two. Two implications of Jesus reigning from heaven, and then we've got we to move on. So, because Jesus reigns, number one, you don't have to be in control, friend. You don't have to be in control. Now, now I know you type A, folks. Your, your palms are already getting sweaty. Right? Like, oh, man. I don't like where he's going with this. Get a little bit of anxiety in your chest right now. Listen, do, do you want to know the only thing more exhausting than, than feeling out of control in your life? Feeling like you have to control everything in your life. God, that's exhausting. And some of you are there right now. You're like, man, I'm exhausted. I don't even know why I'm exhausted. I'm just, you're exhausted because you're trying to control and manipulate everything in your life. And so many of us, we live with these thoughts in our mind, and maybe just even subconscious, like we would never articulate these things. I mean, it's just kind of a subconscious thing, but we have these thoughts like, man, i can, I got to control this aspect of my marriage. i, I got to control this thing in my relationship with my husband or my wife, because if I don't, then my spouse is not going to be meeting my needs. And, and if I don't control this specific thing in my, in my, in my marriage, then, then, then she or he's not going to be loving me the way that I need to be loved. Or, man, I gotta I got control things in my, in my kid's life because if I, if I don't control things in my kid's life, right, they, they might turn out kind of screwed up and then I'll look like a bad mom and bad dad. Maybe they start drinking, like, pumpkin flavored coffee and stuff, like a degenerate. I will have failed as a mother and a father. Man, I gotta, I gotta control things at work. I gotta, I gotta massage things right over here with my administration. I gotta manipulate things over here with, with, with my coworkers because if I, don't, if I don't control these things, maybe I won't get the promotion that I deserve. Maybe I won't get the raise that I've been working so hard for for months or years. Man, we just kind of white-knuckle things throughout life like it all depends on us. And then we wonder why we have so many issues with anxiety and depression and mood disorders. Man, like you name it, we got it. 
And listen, church, can, can, can I just, I want, you to, I want you to listen to me when I say this. You are, you are never designed to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. That is not for you. You are never designed to carry the weight of the world on your shoulder. You can't. And you will absolutely kill yourself trying. But here's the, here's the deal. Here's the, here's the good news of the message today. We have a king who is alive, who is ascended, who is reigning today from heaven. And listen, he can carry all of it for you and more. You don't have to control everything in your life. That's really good news, especially for the control freaks in the room. Now, here's the second application I think is really good news. Based on Jesus ruling and reigning today from heaven, Listen, guys, you can enjoy life now. Jonathan talked about this earlier, right? Like, followers of Jesus, Christians ought to be some of the most joyful people walking planet Earth. Did you know that? Like, it's okay for us to be happy. It's okay for us to enjoy life. Now, sometimes I get so tired of, like, Eeyore Christians, you know what I'm talking about? Just kind of shuffling around life, and every day they're depressed. Oh, everything's bad. Sucking on a lemon, Right? got that face like they're they're just miserable in life all the time I'm like man are you sure you know jesus because like, i'm pretty sure like this is pretty awesome news you know the king of the universe that you have abundant life eternal life now and in eternity now listen i know we all go through like hard seasons tough times we shouldn't wear a mask or we shouldn't fake it there are times when we should cry we should weep we should mourn but if that's all you got 30 40 years into following jesus something's off Something's wrong with you, right? You can enjoy life following Jesus. And so many of us, I feel like, are paralyzed by fear in life. And what if, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I married the wrong person? What if I screw up my kids? What if I get infected by this virus or that virus? What if I don't get my dream job? What if the economy collapses and I lose all my retirement? What if this? What if that? And we worry ourselves to death and sap every potential drop of joy from our life. Listen to me. That is not the life that King Jesus has for his followers. It is not. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. This will be on the screens for you. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you have heard it and you need to apply it to your hearts and lives, maybe for the very first time. This is what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, talking to us, his disciples, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan that's a question we all ought to ask ourselves and answer huh which one of us by worrying can add an hour to our lifespan think we probably can shave some years off of our lives by worrying we can't add a single second by worrying verse 28 and why are you anxious about clothing we could probably substitute that word clothing for any anything else that we feel like we need in life but for you maybe it's not clothing but it's something else it's a better job it's more money in your bank account it's uh, the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend whatever it is Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now that is a loving rebuke from our Savior, isn't it? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't know God, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here's the key. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We have a king who rules and reigns. We should take comfort in that. That should affect the way that we live our lives. That should affect the thoughts that we allow to run through our brains. I love the way Charles Spurgeon put it also on the screens for you. Spurgeon wrote this, I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. Because Jesus ascended and is seated even now at the right hand of the Father and ruling and reigning from heaven, listen guys, we don't have to be in control and we can enjoy life and that's some really good news. That's some really good news. Now, here's the second thing the ascension of Jesus means, and it really begins to answer the question that we asked at the beginning of our time together. What's Jesus doing now? What's he been doing for the last 2,000 years since his ascension? That's kind of an important question. So truth number two, Jesus is not only reigning from heaven now, Jesus is also interceding for his people right now. Now, that word intercede, uh, we don't use that a ton in our uh, English vocabulary now. It just means speaking up or acting on behalf of someone else. That's, that's, what, that's what interceding means. So the example that I just, goofy example that I thought of this week is just imagine you were like walking downtown Asheville, right? You're by yourself, you're walking downtown Asheville, and you just get uh, jumped by a group of violent hoodlums, man. They got you on the ground. They're just, they're beating you up. Probably Auburn fans or something. They just grab you. They put their pumpkin spice down. They're beating you. And then I see, I walk up and I see it happening. And I just run into the crowd. Man, and I'm throwing haymakers. I'm dropping elbows. I'm kneeing teeth out, right? What, what's I'm interceding for you. I'm standing up for you. I'm coming to your defense on your behalf. This is the idea of intercession. Now, this is, listen, guys, this is stunningly good news. That the king of the universe is doing this for his people on a cosmic level. This is incredible. Uh, let me show you what I mean so you don't think I'm, I'm just kind of making this up. Hebrews chapter 7 on the screens for you says this. Therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to what? To intercede for them. Did you notice what he said? He lives for it. He loves doing it. It's not this idea of like Jesus wakes up on Monday morning and he's like, ah, oh, these losers need some more intercession. Father, look at, look at Jim down there. What a loser. Will you please help him out again? I know, it's irritating. I'm irritated too. That's not, that's not the view that we get in Scripture. He loves it. He lives to intercede for his sons and his daughters. This is an incredible picture. Look at Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul writing this. Who is to get condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, there's the ascension and coronation, who is indeed interceding for us. There it is again. 1 John chapter 2, uh, John, Apostle John, Jesus' best friend, writes this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an 
advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I think this is like this is probably almost impossible for us to even wrap our brains around, but the message of Scripture is crystal clear. The risen and ascended Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father forever, listen, guys, is right now in this very moment as you live and breathe and sit there, and I stand up here and talk. He is right now in this moment. He is interceding for you, Christian. Do you know that? He is right now interceding for you. He is lifting your heart cries to the Father right now in this very moment. He is laying your request before the, the throne of God the Father Almighty. This very second, he is going to bat on your behalf. He's saying, Father, Father, don't forget about your son. Father, don't, don't you see your daughter? Don't forget about your daughter. Father, would you, would you heed her cries? Father, would you bend your ear to his cry? Don't forget about them, Father. This is a stunning truth. Now, here's the other piece of that. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, says that we have an enemy, we have an accuser who accuses us night and day before the Father. That's kind of that's depressing, isn't it? That we have an accuser, we have an enemy that constantly keeps our sins before the Father. Now, here, here's, here's the good news of all the passages that we just read. When that slimy, squirmy, dirty piece of trash of an enemy that we have comes to accuse us before the Father, we have an advocate who stands up in our defense. We have, we have a lawyer, in a sense, who stands to defend our case before the throne of God the Almighty. And listen, guys, this is really important. Jesus has never lost a case. He's never lost a case. He never has to appeal to the Supreme Court because he is the Supreme Court. That's our Savior. He's reigning from heaven. He is interceding for his people, even right now in this very moment. And then one last piece to the ascension. Truth number three. The ascension means, this on the screens for you, Jesus is right now empowering us for his mission on planet Earth. Now, do you, do you remember the last words of Jesus to his disciples? We just read in Acts chapter 1. I'll put them on the screens for you again. This is what he says in Acts 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. So there's the empowerment piece, right? You will receive power. How will we get this power, Jesus? What's the source of this power? When the Holy... There's the connection. Remember I told you there's a connection between the ascension of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There it is. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what purpose, Jesus? Will we get this power through the Holy Spirit? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says to his disciples right before he ascends, Hey guys, listen. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you to be my witnesses in Asheville, in the state of North Carolina, in the United States of America, and all the way across the globe. Now, the disciples in this moment must have been kind of just thinking in their minds, well, th this is impossible. Like, Jesus, that's a, that's, a, that's a bold idea. That's kind of cute. But have you forgot that we're just a handful of, like, blue-collar nobodies? We're not educated. We're a bunch of fishermen. And, and you want us to take your kingdom message of hope, not just all the way through Jerusalem, our city, to the ends of the earth? That's impossible. And Jesus goes, Jesus goes, Watch this, watch this. I'm going to empower you for this special mission 
by sending you my spirit and placing him inside of you. And when you get the Holy Spirit, that's going to change everything because when you have my spirit, you're going to start to accomplish things that are otherwise humanly impossible. That's how amazing the Holy Spirit is. And when I go, that's who I'm sending to you. So don't be sad, boys. Get excited because it's about to get real. Now, Matthew 28, he kind of continues this thought. This is known as the Great Commission. It says this, and Jesus came to them, his, his disciples, right, and says to them, all authority, right? This is because he has all authority because he's ascended to the Father. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here's the mission again. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And this is amazing. Look at this last promise. And behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Now let me ask you a question. How is it that Jesus could say, I'm with you always, right before he leaves? How could he say, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age, right before he ascends back to heaven? He tells us in John chapter 16, look at what he says. He says, but now, Jesus is saying, now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart, right? Understandably, the disciples don't want Jesus to leave. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Say what? For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus says to his disciples who don't want him to leave, listen guys, it is better if I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send you my spirit. And I will be with you through my spirit. I will be working through you, through the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, I will empower you for my mission. To take the gospel, this incredible news. That there is a God in heaven who loves so ferociously that when we had no way to get to him because of our sin and our rebellion, he became one of us. And he lived a life that we should have lived, but we couldn't because we're sinners. And he died a sinner's death in your place and in my place. And he rose again and he offers us abundant, resurrected life now and into eternity. Church, listen, we have been entrusted with the most powerful, most precious news in the entire universe. And we have been commissioned or sent out by our ascended king, empowered by his spirit to take this great news right into our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools across the street and around the world through demonstration and proclamation, right? We, we live it out with our lives and we speak it with our lips. It's not one or the other. It's both end. We live it out and we speak it out. Reminds me of a story that I uh, read this week. A little boy was uh, flying a kite um, at the beach, and if you've ever flown a kite at the beach, it's a perfect place to fly, right? Because there's lots of wind, and it's easy to get them up off the ground. And as the kite got higher and higher and higher, eventually went behind some clouds to where you could no longer see the, the kite anymore. And a, a bystander was watching this little boy uh, fly his kite, and so he uh, walks up to the little boy and asks him a question. He says, how do you know the kite is still attached to the string? 
And the little boy answered without hesitation because I can feel it tugging on the string. And I think what, what a beautiful application for us. Listen, our, our Savior has ascended through the clouds. How do we know he's still there? Because he's tugging in our hearts, calling in our spirits, our souls, through his Holy Spirit that he's put into us, who's indwelling us even now in this moment. And he's inviting us into abundant life, inviting us into his mission here on planet Earth. I love the, the words of an old hymn written in 1871. So it's been, it's been a couple years uh, by a man named Francis Havergal. All right, so I just, I'm going to put the, the words of this old hymn uh, about the ascension on the screens for you. I think it's just a beautiful uh, picture of this doctrine. This is what it says. It says, Golden harps are sounding, angel voices ring. Pearly gates are opened, open for the king. Jesus, king of glory, Jesus, king of love, is gone up in triumph to his throne above. He who came to save us, he who bled and died, now is crowned with glory at his Father's side. From the grave arisen, never more to die, Jesus, King of glory, is gone up on high, pleading for his children in that blessed place, calling them to glory, sending them his grace. His bright home preparing, faithful ones for you, Jesus ever liveth, ever loveth too. All his suffering ended, joyfully we sing, Jesus hath ascended, glory to our King. I want to read, as we close, as the band comes, one last passage. It's the Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 8. I want you to just kind of read this quietly with me on the screens. This is what it says. This is the promise. This is what the ascension has secured for us. Paul writes this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, what can separate us from our risen and ascended Savior? The answer, nothing. Glory to our King. Let's pray and then we're going to worship our ascended King. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We are grateful. We are grateful that you not only became one of us, you not only came into this busted up world that we messed up to live a perfect, sinless life on our behalf and die a brutal, torturous, bloody execution that was reserved for us, the one that we earned for ourselves through our own sin and rebellion. But you died it for us, so we never would have to do it. And three days later, you walk out of that grave in Jerusalem just like you promised you would. And 40 days after that, you ascended to the right hand of the Father where you rule and reign and intercede on our behalf. Even right now as we pray this prayer, you're praying to the Father for us. God, how could we ever thank you enough 
What a great Savior we have in Jesus. Jesus, we love you. And we ask these in your beautiful, powerful, ascended name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning we're going to celebrate these things. The life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. The practical way we're going to celebrate communion of the Lord's Supper. We've got two tables in the back with the elements. If you did not grab those and you wish to participate, now would be your time. Jog back to the back of the room. Grab the element. If you're uh, online, you're watching, now would be a great time. Just go, uh, go to the kitchen. Find some, uh, some old crackers or triscuits or something, some juice. And, um, and we're going to celebrate in just a moment. As always, I just kind of like to pause, give you about a minute just to pray in silence, to prepare your heart, to take the bread, to take the cup. And so if you have any sin in your life that you need to confess before the Father, you got anything that you need to make right before God, now is your time, just in silence, right where you sit, to make things right between you and your Creator, and then we're going to celebrate. So you pray. Stand with me. We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together, and then we're going to end our time by worshiping. If you're here, if you're a follower of Jesus, let me just encourage you. Say this along with me. Say it out loud. Say it like you mean it. On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. 
He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship him.
Amen. Well, it is so important to understand what you believe, not just an intellectual assent, but what you believe deep in your soul affects your everyday life, and there may not be anything uh, more important to that belief than the fact that, that we believe that Jesus is still alive and he is still reigning today uh, in our life. And so uh, on that uh, note, if there's a decision that you know you need to make today, we just encourage you and challenge you to do that before you leave. Uh, if you're online, you can reach out to your online host. But if you're here with us in-house this morning, we'll have some prayer partners up front to pray with you, um, just to encourage you and, and be there uh, to share whatever it is that's going on in your life. And before you leave today, I, I do just want to share with our church family a little housekeeping note. Uh, when you came in, you may have noticed there's uh, a big shelf out there by, by our next step spot in our lobby that's got some brown bags uh, out there. Um, a couple months ago, I went on a, a mission trip with my community group to one of our partnered churches in Myrtle Beach. And one of the things we did, I shared this earlier, is uh, we went out canvassing and we hung little invite bags uh, all throughout neighborhoods uh, for Coastway, for that church, to invite them in to come to, uh, for people to come to their church. And one of our team members came back and was like, Jonathan, why can't we do this for New Life? I was like, well, we can. We have the ability to, to do that as a church family. She's like, let's do it. So I said, let's do it because guess what? When you invite people to stuff, some people come. Um, they just need to be in invited. Now, uh, here, here's the reality. It's super easy. Each one of these little bags has 100 of the door hanger bags and 100 invite cards. But it doesn't have the candy. So the candy is on you, Sam's Clubs. And, and don't put in the cheap candy. Uh, no, nobody wants your Smarties. Put, put in the, the Skittles and the M&Ms and all that kind of good stuff. And this is a great project to do as a family, single person living in an apartment complex, uh, as a community group. You can grab as many bags uh, as you want. And we're not going to do this. We're going we're gonna, to uh, promote this over the next two weeks. So it's not something we're going to do all the time, maybe like once a year. But think about that. Hundreds and thousands of invites could get, go out and get hung on, on doors. And the reality is, is, is that... Um, uh, there may be people, most people will throw that invite away and eat the candy, but there's going to be somebody, more than one somebody, that that, that invitation is going to come at the, the right divine time in their life. And they're going to accept that invitation, and we're not doing this so that we can fill up this worship center to say, hey, look how many people we've got now. We're doing it so that as many people as possible can find the hope that we have, a hope that doesn't just save us for someday, but a hope that saves us every day, every day of our life. And think about those people that may not know that hope showing up because of an invitation that you hung on their, their door. So that's why we're doing it. Uh, that's why we're encouraging, encouraging you to pick up a bag, at least a bag, on your way out today. So we hope that you do that. We hope that you have a good time uh, doing that, filling up with all kind of good candy, and we'll see you next week.